Pastor Ed Ray on Growing Grace. Now notice it says the water that was made to wine. I emphasize that because I've read other people who think that it was like the loaves and the fishes. Only when Jesus tore the bread did it multiply. No, this is all of it. All 120, 180 gallons turned to wine like that. And it's an important part of the miracle here. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your love. Well, maybe you have plans to go to a wedding or two here this summer. And they say June and August are a couple of the most popular months for people to get married. Well, today on Grow in Grace, we find Jesus and his disciples at a wedding, and something miraculous is about to take place. Pastor Ed Ray is going through John at the present time, and today we pay a visit to chapter 2, which is actually the account of Jesus' first miracle. With the exciting details, here's Pastor Ed on Grow in Grace. Jesus, we're told, hasn't done any miracles before this, which goes directly against the Da Vinci Code and some of those other crazy movies and books that have been written about Jesus as a boy doing miraculous things, like making a, a clay bird and then throwing it in the air and it turns into a real bird and flies away. No, 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 no. This is the first miracle that Jesus did. So I'm bringing that up again because Mary has never seen her son do a miracle yet. So in faith, she knows who he is. The angel showed up and told her that this is God's son. And so she sees a problem, he's there, and in faith, she asks him to intervene, do something. Now, I doubt that she thought he was gonna turn water into wine, but she knew that he was powerful enough to help, to do something, faith, believing that someone will act according to their character. I was reading this week about a a fire that was in Connecticut, Hartford, Connecticut, two-story old home with a family of five kids, And everyone got out when the fire started, except the nine-year-old son who was in the second-story bedroom. And fire trucks came, sirens and everything woke him up, and he came to the window, and he opened the window, and the whole bottom floor was on fire. And his dad was on the front grass, and he said, son, come on out onto the roof and jump down here. And so the kid edged his way out on the roof, but it was smoke. He said, Dad, I can't see you. And the father said, but son, I'm right here. Jump, I will catch you. But Dad, I I can't see, it's too smoky. I can't see you. And the dad said, but I can see you. Jump. And the kid did and he caught him. Now that's a picture of faith. That's a picture of trust. Believing someone will be and do what we know them to be. Trust in God in this case. Mary's had God living in her house for 30 years. And so she says, fix this, son. Jesus said to her, verse 4, Woman, now 
in the, if you have an NIV, it says dear woman. The, the Greek word is gune, G-U-N-E. And literally it means, it's a term of respect. So dear woman would be a one way of conveying that. Dear woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour is not yet come. It's not of time yet for me to do a miracle. Now, six other times in the Gospel of John, Jesus says he's working according to a timetable of heaven, not of his own. So I'm not involved. John 7:30, John 8:20, 20, 12, 23, 13:1, 17:1 are the other places where. Jesus said that he's similarly, that it's not the right time for this. But it would be the right time in just a couple of minutes. That's what's very interesting about, part of what's interesting about this to me. Now, she wants him to do good works so that other people can see it. I'm not saying that's an impure motive. I just think she's pretty proud of her son. And she wants the world to know who he is. Matthew 5, 16, Jesus said, So let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your heavenly Father. Not you, not to call attention to yourself, but to who it is that you serve. We have to be careful to not do good works to get other people's attention, but she wants Jesus for the glory of God to do what he could do. So his mom doesn't say anything else to him, right? So she turns and she says, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, these are the last recorded words of Mary in the New Testament. She's directing the servants to her son rather than to herself. I think that's a beautiful picture. That's exactly what I explained to my mom, that she directed everyone to talk to her son. Talk to Jesus. He hears. He's waiting for us to talk to him. Now, now notice she didn't tell God how to fix the problem. Now, sometimes we're tempted to do that. I am anyway. I know that there's this little saying, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your opinion. Uh, I, I think that might be my reason for being on earth, to make God laugh. <laughs> I, I help him enjoy the world. So don't give him how to fix the problem, just tell him you need to help. Verse 6. Now there were set there six water pots of stone. Stone because it was according to the manner of the purification of the Jews. According to the law, the container must be made of stone that's non-porous. The interesting insight here. First century, they knew nothing of bacteria or viruses, germs, if you will. But God told them to not use pottery, which is porous, which traps sugars that bacteria could live in. So the next time you use it, you pour out a cup and it's full of some kind of dysentery or something. Isn't it interesting that even though they didn't know why, they were doing what God told them to do and they're using stone water jars. Now, the Part of the rite was that you would wash your hands before every meal, not for just sanitary reasons, but it was a religious statement. And many Jews today actually do it between uh, the different 
parts of the meal, you know, break it up into the hors d'oeuvres and then the main meal and then the dessert and then wash and sop before every one. So this is part of the law. Actually, it's a building upon what the law says, making it more than what God said to do. But the early church, again, back to these early pastors who were preaching on these verses, they said, this is a comparison of Moses and Jesus. Moses brought the law, we read in the first chapter of John, and Jesus brought grace. So the law is the water purification washing your hands, and the grace is Jesus coming in and turning it into joy, because that's the picture of wine. So Jesus said to them, fill the water pots, these stone jars, with water. And they filled them to the brim. And that's significant. Nothing could be added. The water was right up to the top. Now here's a collection of stone-turned water jars. They're from alabaster. It's a soft stone in the Middle East, and they turn them on a lathe just like a a woodworker uh, wood with wood. You get the idea that they're filling it with just water from a well. And there were several wells in Cana to this day. And so they fill up these jars to the very top. And that becomes an important part. We're told they were 20 to 30 gallons apiece. So times six, 120 to 180 gallons. This is a party. We're not told how many people were there, but that's an awful lot. So, what do you think Jesus' face looked like when his mother said to the servants, do whatever he says? And I think that's important. I think what you believe Jesus' face looked like when his mom asked him to do something will, in fact, reveal to you a little bit of what you think God is like. See, I have this assurance that Jesus is at least smiling, if not laughing out loud, because the Holy Spirit is saying, turn it into wine. Now, if you think Jesus rolled his eyes and said, mother, please, I'm suggesting that you don't know who Jesus is. If you thought he ground his teeth, went, mom, You're missing who your savior is. I have a picture in my office, actually behind the door. So when I close the door and I'm counseling somebody, I see the picture of Jesus' face, artist's interpretation. Nobody knows what he looks like, right? But Lisa's guy looks, Lisa looks, he looks Jewish rather than Norwegian like so many pictures I've seen. But why I like the picture is because his head is back and he's laughing out loud and there's tears coming down his face. He's laughing at this moment, I'm sure, but the Bible is filled with these places where if you'll just be open to it, you'll see the Savior enjoying life, that you might have life and more abundantly, John will write. So they fill them to the brim, and probably the servants are filling it going, what in the world are we doing, George? We don't need water. We need wine. Hey, I don't know. He said fill it with water. So here we are. To the top, nothing else can be added. And then verse 8, 
Jesus says to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. Notice Jesus has no contact with the water. He's across the room. And he says, okay, you finished filling up. Now, now take a little to the meter D right away. And I'm emphasizing that because of the time factor in wine production. The master of the feast, when he tasted the water that had been turned to wine, verse 9, and did not know where it had come from, but obviously the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast goes to the bridegroom. Now notice it says the water that was made to wine. And I emphasize that because I've read other people who think that it was like the loaves and the fishes. Only when Jesus tore the bread did it multiply. No, this is all of it. All 120, 180 gallons turned to wine like that. And it's an important part of the miracle here. Thanks for studying along with us today on Grow in Grace. Pastor Ed Ray is in John chapter 2. And he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine when everyone's sober. Sorry. Then the guests, when they have drunk well, then they add which is inferior. Then they take out the cheap stuff. Costco. I just keep stepping on toes, don't I, this morning? <laughs> I saw 35 Baptists leave when I started into this. I'm teasing you. Then that which is inferior, but you have kept the good wine until now. So it's good. It's excellent. Now, I'm going to lose some of you for just a minute, but that's okay. I'll be short. Come on back. So the chemist is excited about this miracle because in it, water, an inorganic substance, as we know, five-eighths of the world is covered in water. It has no carbon in it. It's just, you'll remember from kindergarten or first grade, H2O, two parts of hydrogen and one part of oxygen. And it's being converted in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, if you will, into a organic substance. C-A-H-16-O-6. What? <laughs> okay, so I'm holding myself back. I, I had a diagram of the chemistry, and, but I could just see the people in the back row falling asleep, and so on. we're not going there. But I think I, I can make it interesting enough without the diagrams, okay? So I have an acquaintance. We're, we're not like close friends. But uh, he's a connoisseur of wine. He has his own wine cellar, and he's into it. And, and he's a wine taster. In fact, he's, I guess there's a big wine festival in Temecula. I shouldn't make this announcement today. Anyway. <laughs> so he's one of those guys that takes it, puts it in the right kind of snifter, and he swirls it around. He <laughs> smells it, and he says, hmm, 1958. I think it's the south side of the field. There was good rainfall that year. What kind of manure was that? Is that, oh, it's horse manure. What an interesting nutty flavor. You know, I, I'm not into that, okay? But I understand that, you know, there's probably one or two of you, maybe more in here that are into that. So what's happening here? 
chemists work very hard in Napa <laughs> to take stainless steel vats that control a thousand or more gallons of grape juice for six months and they put into it artificially yeast and bacteria that have come from batches in the past that had a certain bouquet, a certain taste to it, right? And they cloned them. Very expensive process of cloning bacteria and yeast, but so that every batch is as good as the 1958 batch or whatever. And then some really expensive wine, some of you know this, takes longer than six months. It takes six years. Some of it's 12 years. And during that time, these little yeasts, these little bacteria work together to chew up the glucose because that's what grape sugar is. It's just a simple sugar. And the process of them in a right temperature in darkness, no sunlight, even though sunlight was needed for the grapevine to produce the grapes. So in the dark, in these giant vats, they're controlling the temperature day and night. They have alarms on them. So if it, the, the temperature goes up two degrees too much, it signals the chemist at home and he has to come in at two in the morning and adjust the temperature. All this process is going on to produce wine that has 450 different compounds in it, phenols and tannic acids and just the, the things that add to the flavor. It's a very complex compound organic liquid, to put it in chemist terms. How did that happen in the twinkling of an eye? Which is what this miracle is trying to say to us. That the carbon bonding, which is unique to organic liquids, took place in an instant should have taken at least six months because the God of time and space was sitting at a wedding feast in a little obscure village of Cana. And I don't know if he snapped his fingers. He didn't have to do anything. It just instant, it received vintage. Wine has vintage. It has age. He created age. To put it in a physics, term, Jesus travels at relativistic velocities. What? Velocity is speed, and he travels at the speed of light or faster because that's what Einstein's theory was, that if you go faster than the speed of light, you go backwards in time. Now, that doesn't help unless you're God, and you can change the molecules around too. But not only did he add 450 different compounds to this grape juice, he added this element of time, vintage, bouquet, taste, whatever you want. John said, I write these miracles, these seven, and I start with this one because it's the most important one. It's the first one he did. And it was a signal that this is the God of time. Because someday he will take you into eternity and you will live forever with him. 
because he controls time. He lives outside of time right now. And he's inviting you and I to join him in time for eternity. Now, here's the, the coup de gras, verse 11. The beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciple believed in him. So here's this beginning of miracles and they believed in him because we beheld his glory. This is John 1 that we already went over. The glorious presence of the Son of God and from his fullness, the fullness of six large stone vats. From his fullness, we all have received grace upon grace upon grace. The law of Moses was through the purification ritual of Moses, the law. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So this is not primarily a story about a wedding, nor is it primarily a story about Mary or alcohol consumption. This is a story about who God is and what he's done. The words of the steward were significant when he said, you have saved the best till last. God has saved for you the best till last. Sin says you'll have joy right now. And there is joy in sin for a season, for a short period of time. But God says, I'm deferring your rewards and your joy. Yes, there is joy here now, but there's something coming that far surpasses anything. Let me say it this way. You think you have seen with your eyes. I think I have seen with my eyes. But I haven't seen anything. When we get to heaven, we're going to go, oh my goodness, colors, expressions that we couldn't even think of. He saves the best to last. We think that we've heard great sounds, great music, great orchestras. You haven't heard anything compared to the choirs of the saints singing to God. We think that we've tasted great food. I mean, deep, dark, Dutch chocolate ice cream. We haven't tasted anything until we get to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Follow Every good experience that you've ever had in life is a leftover relic from the Garden of Eden, looking forward to heaven. That was C.S. Lewis. That there was a shipwreck called Eden, and the relics are strewn across the beach. And we go through life and we pick up a french fry from in and out and go, wow, this is amazing. No, no, no. Every good thing that you've ever experienced is just a little tiny taste of eternity. God has saved the best until last. Thanks for being with us for Grow in Grace. We're studying the Gospel of John right now with Pastor Ed Ray. 
And if you joined us late or you just want to hear this again, go online to thepackinghouse.org. We archive our programs there for you so you can listen anytime you'd like. Or call and ask for a CD copy at 844-77-GRACE. This program is made possible through the support of listeners just like you. We have an exciting resource to tell you about today. It's Why Grace Changes Everything by Chuck Smith. Grace is a word we love to hear, but many of us don't know what it really means. Sure, it's how God saves us, but it's also how we grow. Pastor Chuck Smith shares insights from his own life and reveals how grace changes everything in our lives when properly understood and applied. Just give us a call at 844-77-GRACE and we'll send this your way for a gift of any amount. That's 844-77-GRACE. We'd also like to hear what God is up to in your life. Is he using this program to help you grow in grace? We want to know. Our email address is packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's all the time we have for today, but mark this spot in John's Gospel and join us next time as together we grow in grace with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Filled with hands And in this place Gotta dwell with man Sick be healed And the crippled stand Singing hallelujah My kingdom built With the blood of my son Selfless sacrifice For everyone 